0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Today is the first Sunday of the month of Beba, which is the second month of the Coptic New Year. When we read the famous story today of Christ being in the house, um, filled with a lot of people, surrounded by a lot of people in every place, and then this uh, group of four friends brings their friend who is paralyzed on a bed, and they come to Christ in the house because they know that Christ can heal him. And when they find that the house is very crowded, they decide instead of giving up or going away, they incite to decide to go up to the roof of the house and lower the man from the roof of the house to see Christ. And um, this is no small thing. Again, like sometimes these stories in the Bible, like we read them, we know them. And so we just kind of like take them for granted. Imagine that you are in the house with the Pope. Okay? You are, the Pope has come to visit your house and he is with you in the house. And there's a lot of other people there with you in your house, and there's people from the outside that want to get in because they really, really want to see the Pope. And so when they try to get in, they find that it is so crowded that they can't even get in the door. So they decide that they are going to go up to the roof of your house and make a hole in the roof of your house and lower this person or you know, come down through the roof of the house to see Christ. You know, that, that, that is not something you would ever think or expect to happen. And yet we, we read this here in the story of how faithful that these men were to bring this, this friend of theirs to the Lord so that he could be healed. That is how much they believed that he could be healed. And we know that when he first, when Christ first was speaking to the man, after all of this effort, after all of this energy, after all of this possible embarrassment, out of all of this possible like accusation even that these men might receive from the people that were there, instead of healing the man physically as the very first thing that he does it says what in in chapter in verse 5 christ said sons your sins are forgiven you right sons your sins are forgiven you we could imagine that if we were in such a position after going through all of that effort and all that hassle to bring somebody down from the roof and even the man himself who you know was allowing this to happen to him with hope that he was going to be healed and that when he hears the very first words of the Lord saying, sons, your sins are forgiven you, he thinks to himself, okay, you know, you could have done that. Like, like that, that doesn't change me. That doesn't change my life. That doesn't make any real change. I mean, anyone can go say, go, God bless you. God, may God forgive you. Like, may God reward you. May God do this and this. And we speak like that all the time, right? We use that language all the time. We say, may God do this. May God do this. May God do this. Here, of course, what the Lord was offering this man was something even greater than the physical healing. And that the physical healing that he gave to him was not the main purpose. You know, the the man and his friends, they came to the Lord not because they wanted his sins forgiven. That that That's not what was in their mind. That wasn't their purpose. Right? If, if that's all that was in their mind, they might not even have gone. They might have thought, you know, there's no point in going. It's very crowded. I'm not going to go. Maybe when we think even about like when we're trying to schedule a time for confession, anything will distract us from it. You know, maybe, oh, I'm too busy today. Oh, I was supposed to go, but I'm not going to go. I'm too tired today, whatever the case, right? But in this case, you know, they thought to themselves, well, this is an opportunity because there is no other possible way that this man could be healed of his paralysis, right? If the Lord is the only one that can heal him of his paralysis, then we're going to endure any hardship. We're going to endure any embarrassment. We're going to endure anything because we want to bring him to the Lord right? And in their mind, that, was the, that, was, that justified everything that they did, regardless of what was going to happen to them because of it. So when the Lord comes and He says, sons, your sins are forgiven you, it sounds, it sounds to them like almost like anticlimactic, like this is not w- what we're here for. We wanted to see a miracle. We wanted to see like this man rise up and walk. We wanted to see like you in front of all these people to do that. So in the end, after the Lord forgave him his sins, okay, then when he healed him, he healed him because he wanted to prove and to show that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins. Okay, has the authority. He says, if I can heal the man physically, so that with your eyes you can see him being healed, then you would believe that I also can heal him spiritually. So that when I say to him, your sins are forgiven, that you believe that truly his sins are forgiven. Okay, so we're going to speak a little bit about why this forgiveness was granted before the paralytic, uh, to the paralytic even before the physical healing? What was, some of, what was the message? What was God trying to teach us by, by, by telling us that this man's uh, sins are forgiven before he is even um, healed of his paralysis? The first is the forgiveness is a healing of the spirit. Okay? The forgiveness is a healing of the spirit. Maybe we don't look at it that way. But that, that, is, that is the way that it is. As human beings, we are both body and spirit. We are both at the same time. And we are very mindful of our bodies. We're very mindful okay, of our bodies because our bodies, when they ache, we feel pain. When, you know, we, when we're hungry, we have to eat. When we're thirsty, we have to drink. We're very mindful of our bodies. We're very mindful of our emotions. We're very mindful of the physical world around us. We're mindful of our possessions. We're mindful of other people. We're mindful of everything that our senses can perceive everything that our senses tell us about the world is real that's real that's what reality is reality is what our senses perceive and if our senses don't perceive it it's very hard for me to accept that it is real right this is why you have many people that do not believe in god at all why because their senses do not perceive him they don't perceive him and so when we say well you have to believe in god by faith there is evidence of god yes but there isn't the kind of sensory evidence, sensory images that you have for everything else in life, right? And that's what is difficult for people to believe. So when we are hurt physically, you know, when we are hurt physically, there is like immediate consequences for being hurt. There is immediate consequences for being disabled. This man, this paralyzed man, every day when he woke up in the morning, he was immediately aware of his paralysis. He was immediately aware of of, of, his, of, of the condition of his life. He was immediately aware that he was different than others, that other people could do things that he could not do. And so this weighed down on him as anyone who would be with any kind of severe sickness with no cure. It would weigh down on him very much and it would define his life. Like this is, this is such a, a significant thing in his life. It makes him different from so many other people right? And it is a physical ailment that he has. And Christ, he was known to be a miracle worker. He was known to be a healer. He's known to heal people. He healed lepers. He made the blind people to see, you know, he, he could do miracles and he could heal people. Okay. So their friends, his friends, they believed that he could be healed. Okay. Um, however, okay, our biggest problem And this is what God and Christ was trying to illustrate and trying to make the people see. Our biggest problem is not the physical ailments. It's not the physical suffering. It's not the physical paralysis. But it's the spiritual paralysis. The spiritual paralysis is what ails us the most. Okay? In Jeremiah 7.14, it says, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. Right? You can look at it. There's like, like... You can have healing of the body okay but the healing of the body does not bring salvation of the soul right you can have someone who is perfectly healthy in their body perfectly healthy uh and and everything in the physical world but there is still something inherent and fundamental lacking inside of them which is the healing of the soul which is the salvation of the soul our bodies will not last forever and even a person who has healed even a person who uh you know is, is healthy One day will come when his body will, you know, it will give up and it won't won't be able to continue. Okay, so what Christ is offering this man is something that is far more important uh, than simply the healing of the body. Okay, he is is healing of his spirit. He is healing of his spirit. And Christ wants to make everyone realize that this sickness of the spirit is a real sickness. This is why this is the very first thing he did. He attended to his most important disease, which was the disease of his spirit, which was the disease of his sin. And his healing of the body, again, was just like a like a, like a a side issue. He, he did it just to prove that the healing of the spirit actually happened. You know, that's, that's why he did it. He didn't heal the body because healing the body was the most important thing on his mind. He healed the body to prove that he had healed the spirit. Okay, so... A question for us is what do we seek from the lord you know even in the content of our prayers what are our prayers about Are our prayers primarily about the world about the things in the world about our bodies about the things that we want to happen to us in the world about the things we don't want to happen to us in the world are those primarily what is on our mind kind of like these people who who came to christ what is primarily on their mind is the worldly thing and it's certainly not wrong for them to ask for the healing not at all right but but Christ made a point here he made a point and he said don't just focus on the things of the world right but focus on the things of heaven focus on the eternal life okay so for us to really live a life of joy and peace it's not just about the things that we have in our life it's not just about the possessions we have it's not just about the, the prayers that god answers for the things that we desire in this life but it is abiding in the Lord, it is a reconciliation with God, it is a unity with God. And this unity with God comes after God forgives. When we repent, God forgives, and we are filled with the Holy Spirit more and more, and we are sanctified more and more, and that we feel emotionally, physically, spiritually joyful. Like we, we are We are spiritually healthy when we are with the Lord. And this is what God wants for each of us. He wants of us. Maybe we're not all going to be able to have everything we ask for, all the possessions we ask for. Maybe we're going to have physical ailments like this that are not going to be cured or healed in our life. But all of us can enjoy the presence of God, the forgiveness of our sins, the relationship with God, and this is what God wanted to emphasize. Okay, This is the forgiveness that heals the spirit. The second uh, reason why He granted the forgiveness even before the physical healing was that the spiritual healing is actually what god is the most concerned with okay you know people will often ask why is it that god allows suffering okay and as as parents as human parents okay we certainly would try to prevent any kind of suffering from happening to our kids if there's any way that i can prevent some kind of suffering from my kids then and i have the ability to stop it then i will try i will do so i will protect them right and But the Lord's purpose is beyond simply um, ending human suffering, right? Ending human suffering is not the main goal of the Lord. God wants to end the eternal suffering. God wants the eternal joy. He's not focused as much on what causes us the pain and suffering right now in this moment as much as he's focusing on what the eternal life, eternity, salvation. This is the primary uh, concern of God. And not only that, but he might allow the suffering in this life if it produces the eternal joy, okay? Um, In 2 Corinthians 4.18, it says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal, okay? Um, This man, imagine that this man had not been paralyzed, Okay? He would have never had this experience with the Christ. You know, if this man were not paralyzed, there would have been no reason to bring him into this house. He would not have had this encounter with Christ. He would not have been told that his sins are forgiven him. He had this encounter with Christ simply because of the physical ailment that he had, which caused him to get to this point. Okay? So if God sees that there is something in the physical world, that maybe is painful for me, but necessary in order for me to grow in my relationship with him, then he allows it. St. Paul himself, who was a leader of the church, who was an apostle, who was called by God even in a miraculous way, and yet even him who had some suffering in his body, he asked, Christ, he asked God to remove the suffering from him, and, and God said no. He said no. It is better for you to be weak and to experience weakness in the world, and this will allow you to experience the strength of God. This is, this is better for you to experience this kind of suffering. The spiritual healing is what God cares about the most. The long-term goal, the eternal life, this is what God cares about the most. He is not looking at things the way we look at them. We look at, we look at things in a very temporary way. Okay, But it says what... Um, We do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. This requires spiritual senses. You know, like I said at the beginning, the only things we perceive, we perceive them through our senses, right? And if the only types of senses that we have are the physical senses, then all we can see is the physical. All we can see is the physical world. But if I have spiritual senses then I begin to glimpse and perceive the spiritual world, okay? And these spiritual senses, we grow them the more we pursue spiritual things. The more I invest into spiritual activities, into spiritual things like coming to church, reading the Bible, praying and all these, okay, confessing. These spiritual activities hone and enhance my spiritual senses so that I perceive God in every place. So that I can perceive these principles that we're talking about, and they're easier for me to accept. So, the second reason was spiritual healing is what really concerns God the most. The third reason why God forgave the man before um, attending to his physical healing is that forgiveness is an eternal gift. Okay? God wants to give us the best gifts. You know, He wants to give us the best gifts. Imagine someone who has, let's say, a five, six year old child, and it's their birthday. And the child is very interested in what kind of gift his parents is gonna get them. And the child is expecting some kind of a toy, you know, something that he's gonna use in the immediate moment that's gonna give him some kind of a pleasure in the moment. But instead, the maybe the father he goes to the child and he says, You know what, I'm not gonna get you a toy, but I'm gonna give you a ten thousand dollar annuity for college. So that when you go to college, you will have this ten thousand dollars ready for you to spend it on college. How do you think the child is gonna feel? Probably kind of disappointed, you know. It's like, well, I wanted a toy. You know, give me a $10 toy. I'll take a $10 toy over $10,000 annuity. You know, in the mind of that child is not college. In the mind of that child is right now. This moment is what matters to me. I don't even understand what a $10,000 annuity is. Okay. Fast forward to when this person has grown up and now they're in college or about to enter college. And then you ask this person, remember back when you were five years old, would you have rather that your father gave you a $10 toy or given you a $10,000 annuity? What do you think he's going to say then? He's going to say, I want the annuity. Why didn't you give me the annuity? And, and, if, and if the child himself had made the choices of choosing the toy instead of the annuity, he would regret that decision, right? Because now he looks at things with different eyes. He looks at a reality that has always been the reality all along, but he never perceived that reality. He never perceived that that was important. And if the father had told the child, just trust me, this is important. This gift that I'm giving you is much better than this $10 toy. Do you trust me or do you not trust me? Will you accept this or do you want the toy? This is the question that God is asking us. He's saying, are you going to live for this moment or are you going to live for the eternal life, okay? This is why this gift that Christ gave to this man is a far, far more important gift. If, if God had ended at this and saying, I forgive you your sins and that was it, and there was no physical healing that happened, okay? Then in the mind of, in the mind of Christ, that is a greater gift than the physical healing. Now, Christ gave him both, okay? Christ gave him both. But oftentimes we do not receive both. A lot of times in our life we don't receive both. God is always willing to shower us with the spiritual gifts all the time. He wants to give us the spiritual benefits. He wants to give us the fruit of the spirit. He wants to give us Himself all the time, right? But oftentimes that is not what we are looking for. That is not what we are pursuing. We are we are not pursuing that. Okay, we are pursuing the toy. That's what we want because that what benefits me immediately in the moment. But the gifts of God are of far greater value. In Romans 6, 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the gift. The gift of God is eternal life. And that eternal life, again, as I said, cannot be perceived except with the spiritual senses. So if we do not work on building our spiritual senses, then the whole the whole story of salvation, the whole story of God's commandments, the whole story of what God is doing for us kind of doesn't make any sense, right? Until we look at it with the spiritual eyes, the spiritual senses, then it can start to make sense. Number four, God gives us what we need the most, okay? God gives us what we need the most. Anyone who's experienced taking a child to, to be vaccinated, Okay, knows that the child is very frightened, especially after it's happened one time and they know it's coming. Okay, and they go to the doctor and there's like the doctor with the needle and it's painful and they're crying and they don't want to do it. And they sometimes even tell the parents that you have to hold the child, you know, very firmly so the child doesn't like move around. And even from the perspective of the parents, it's very difficult to do so. If a parent has ever experienced that, it's like your child is screaming, trying to run away and you're holding him or her so that they cannot move, so that they can receive this vaccination. And in the mind of a parent, it's like you have a split feeling about it. On the one hand, you know it's important that the child receive the vaccination, and so that's why you're doing it. But on the other hand, your heart is breaking because the child is so afraid, and almost like they're looking at you saying, why are you doing this to me? You know, Because they don't understand. They don't understand this. And this is the same with, with God in our life. You know, we look to God and we say, God, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this? Why are you allowing me to go through suffering like this? Okay, God does not need, want us to experience suffering, but sadly, sometimes we, we need it. This man, you know, um, he, again, he sought after this physical healing, but God gave him what he really needed, what was really lacking in him. We don't realize sometimes what is truly lacking, what is truly our greatest need you know, but this is what Christ is saying, you know, in Hebrews 4.13, it says, there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is like God's CT scan, you know, we go to him and he does his scan and he looks inside and he sees all these things that are wrong, things that were invisible to us, you know, like anyone who's ever had a CT scan or a PET scan or an MRI or one of these scans or x-ray, It reveals something inside of you that maybe you didn't realize was there, and your senses didn't tell you that it was there. They do the scan, it reveals something different, something that that is very serious perhaps, that has to be taken care of, that was invisible to you, that you didn't see. This is the same way that it is with God. He looks inside and it says we are naked to His eyes. It's like there is no barrier between us and him. There is nothing hiding us from him. He sees us completely. He sees who we are completely. And so he is the great physician. So the great physician, when he realizes and sees what is lacking in us or what is missing or what is dangerous or what needs to be treated in us, then he begins to treat it, right? He begins to treat it. And if we're not convinced of our condition, then the treatment doesn't make sense. Why are you doing this? Why are you giving me this treatment? Why are you allowing me? Like, imagine, like, Someone is trying to do chemotherapy without being convinced that they have cancer. Why am I subjecting myself to this chemotherapy unless I really believe that it is going to save my life? I wouldn't. I wouldn't do so. The chemotherapy itself is makes you sick. Why would I subject myself to it unless I really believed that it was going to save my life, that it was going to help me? So this is the same way with God. You know, this paralyzed man, um, if he didn't believe that he would heal, he be healed, he would have never consented to being carried uh, in public, he would have never been consented to be Lord in the roof. He would have never been consented to do any of these things unless he really believed that Christ would heal him. We also should believe that Christ will heal us. He will heal us spiritually, right? And have strong faith like these four men who brought the, this man to Christ. The last reason I'm going to speak about is that the Son of God, he shed his own blood to grant us this spiritual healing. That tells us something about how important the spiritual healing is. God did not need to incarnate, and to be crucified, and to resurrect, he didn't need to suffer, he didn't need to do all of this, if all he wanted was to heal us physically, if he just wanted to be there, that anytime anyone had any kind of physical disease, or physical problem, that he would just heal us, he didn't have to do anything, he could stay in heaven, and heal everybody from there, and, and that's how, um, I mean, th- that's, how, that's how it could have been, okay, what is it that, that God needed to do In order to bring us the spiritual healing, it tells us how important is the spiritual healing, right? It tells us how revolutionary is the idea of being able to be healed spiritually. Because while there were people throughout history that had been healed, like Naaman the Syrian, for instance. He was a leper. Uh, God told him, go and, and wash in the Jordan River and you will be healed of your leprosy. And he was healed, okay? That didn't require Christ to die on the cross for that to happen. Okay? But to be healed spiritually, for the doors of paradise to be open to us, to be reconciled with God the Father, there was no washing in the Jordan, there was no offering of sacrifices, there was no circumcision, there was no keeping the law, there was nothing that any human being could do in order to be reconciled to God the Father again. There was no amount of good work that could be done for us to be reconciled to God the Father again. There was no way for God to simply dismiss and erase the sins that we had committed and pretend like they never happened because that would violate God's justice and God's law. So the only way that he had to, to bring us the spiritual healing is it cost him his own blood, right? Creating man only took, you know, a breath from the mouth of God. That's all it took is, is, is a breath. And healing this man really didn't take any effort from God at all. And Christ performed many miracles, like walking on water, turning water into wine, doing all these things, but to forgive us, It took the incarnation and the crucifixion for this to happen. So this gift of healing, of the spiritual healing, is far more valuable than any other gift. Far more valuable than any other gift. And this is what Christ was communicating to this man. When I tell you your sins are forgiven, this isn't something that anyone else can say. This isn't something anyone else can do. Maybe now in modern medicine, we have a lot of medicines. We have a lot of uh, procedures. We have a lot of things that can really help a lot of people who are sick in a lot of different ways. But there is nothing that can even touch or even like, make any even the smallest change to the spiritual life of a person in the world. There is nothing that can do that. There is nothing that can bring spiritual healing. There is nothing that can forgive sins in the world. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, it says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. That is the way that we live in righteousness. It is because he died for us. It is because he transforms us. We are healed because of his suffering. Right. So this tells us the value of this gift. That he gave to this man. So, in conclusion, okay, we are all like this sick man. We are all like this sick man who is on this bed, okay, like this paralyzed man. And God is calling us for this spiritual healing. In Psalm 41, it says, The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness, you will sustain him on his sick bed. We are all on this sick bed the Lord will sustain us. The Lord will heal us on the sick bed. And this is exactly what he gave to this man, this gift that was far greater than the gift of making him be able to walk again. Okay, what were the five reasons that we said that Christ forgave him his sins before healing him? The first one is that the forgiveness is is the healing of the spirit, right? Christ wanted to heal his spirit, not only his body. The second is spiritual healing is what was the thing that concerned God the most right? It was his focus. It was, it was what he thought about. It was what salvation is about. Salvation is not about healing the physical body. It's about healing the spiritual body. The forgiveness is an eternal gift. It's a gift that doesn't end. It's a gift forever. It's a gift that is far greater value than any other of these temporary gifts that we seek from God. It is of more value than that. The fourth reason was God gives us the thing that we need the most. We need this the most. We need it more than any other thing, even if we don't realize it. And then the last is the Son of God shed his own blood to grant us the spiritual healing. The value of this gift is determined by what Christ had to do to offer it to us, and he had to offer his own life. So may God grant us the ability to see with spiritual eyes, to understand with a spiritual mind, to be able to look at our life in a way as God looks at us, as God sees us, and to agree with him, and to to submit ourselves to him as the great physician who heals not only our bodies, but also our spirits. And glory be to God forever. Amen.